Take your Bibles tonight and turn to Luke chapter number 12, Luke 12, and then also if you'd find your place in, in Acts chapter number 4, Luke 12, and then Acts chapter number 4. We'll work tonight on our theme, Into His Harvest, so a harvest passage here, an agricultural passage. And uh, then also, I, I trust just that which would help us to uh, come into the missions conference the way that, it, that I believe God would want us uh, to do so. And so this is uh, something the Lord's been working in my heart. And honestly, there's more time I'd like to spend with it. And, and so there's probably more here than what we're going to develop right now. But we'll, we'll take a run at it here in Luke chapter 12. And uh, let me just read verse 1, then we'll drop down to verse number 13 just to help set the context here a little bit. Luke 12, 1 says, In the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trode one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Be ye, I'm sorry, be, beware, rather, ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. All right, so then in the verses, that, that come between this and verse number 13, he's teaching on some very important themes and in terms of fearing God, not man. Don't fear those that kill the body, just like we heard in the song about James and John and how that they took James and beheaded him. Well, he didn't need to fear Herod at that time because he feared God. And so that's some of what Jesus was getting across to them. He speaks about... Uh, Confessing him before men, not being ashamed. We have nothing to be ashamed of if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks of the role of the Holy Spirit. He speaks against the, as a warning about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. All those things and the Holy Spirit would give you what to say in the time when you need it. He says all those things. So then, verse 13, somebody speaks up. It's like they raise their hand. And one of the company, verse 13, said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. It's a little bit out of place, wouldn't you say? Given all that he's been talking about. My brother's doing me wrong. He's taking more of the inheritance than what he ought to do. Okay. And he said unto him, man, <laughs> now I don't know, I probably put the wrong tone on that, but that's how I'd say it, man, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the Lord's short with him. I mean, it, he definitely didn't say, oh yeah, I'll talk to him, dirty dog. He didn't do anything like that. No. Man, who, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, take heed and beware. He uses this as a teaching moment. We want to use it tonight that same way. Beware of covetousness. Notice what he says. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. But we need to let that sink deep down. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? 
because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. It's the problem of too much wealth. Anybody in here have that? <laughs> he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. If he had made a statue to himself, it would have been this way. Innovator, entrepreneur, businessman, wealthy. God said, fool. <laughs> fool. Fool. All right, look at it. Verse 20. Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for your body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, uh, neither have they storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? You're better than the birds. He'll take care of you. They don't have big silos where they keep all their food. Which of you, by ta with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? You want to be taller? Just think hard. You can't do it. It won't happen. <laughs> if ye then be not able to do that which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider, consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not. They spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which today, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not that, and seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. So it, it means there that it's, it's not that we won't have those things, it's just we ought not just live for those things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. Can you hear Jesus saying that? Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice what he says, verse 33. We're reading through 34. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. Hey, how about this, Brother Andrew? They didn't have holes in them. <laughs> A treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth. You don't even have to have an alarm system on it. Neither moth, no moth balls <laughs> needed, corrupteth for where your treasure is. Notice that this is a true statement. This is, this is true of you right now. 
It's true of every one of us right now. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So make sure your treasure's in the right place. And then your heart will be in the right place. Our series, Into His Harvest. Tonight's title is this. Full barns, empty mission fields. Full barns, empty mission fields. How materialism is zapping missions zeal in American churches. How materialism is zapping missions zeal in American churches. And it could zap the zeal in this church. So God, one more time, I pray that you'd help us, guide us, what to say. Just get us ready for the conference. I pray, dear God, that's our earnest plea. Want to be a help? Help us all to tune in right here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I appreciate that. If you didn't hear Brother Andrew Albert's message Wednesday night, be sure to go back and listen to it. It really it was just a powerful message out of Haggai and, and was helpful, confrontational, and uh, I think need, needful. And I mentioned Wednesday night and I'm mentioning now, it, it really just dovetails with what, what I'd already determined to preach here tonight. And the, the truth that he sent us home with essentially was this, that is if, if your agenda consumes you, God will consume your agenda. It's a powerful truth. If your, your agenda consumes you, then God will consume your agenda. In this, uh, in this chapter, in Luke chapter number 12, as we started, we, we began reading verse number one intentionally, and I've already kind of hit some of this, so I'm not going to take a lot of time on this part of the message, but I think you can see that once again, Jesus is teaching his disciples as we've seen even in the Gospel of Matthew, um, in the presence of the multitude. So it says that there were so many people crowded in here. And in fact, if you go back into chapter 11, then you'll see that there's a, a larger context here and he's been in a Pharisee's home. And, but still, everywhere he goes right now, there's just multitudes, multitudes that are thronging him and, and pressing, you know, just to, just to hear him or to see him. I mean, just to see him, maybe to touch him and, 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 and those things. So it's a multitude that's there and he's teaching. He's teaching about hypocrisy, which means that you act one way, but you're really another. And he's, he's warned his disciples against that, that, that listen, it's like 11 that gets in and it may come in just a little bit, but then the next thing you know, it can kind of grow in your life. That's a good lesson for all of us to beware of hypocrisy. And then he talked about fearing God and he talked about not being ashamed of, of him as, as his follower. And and he talked about the Holy Spirit and how that he would give him power. And you already caught as I went through in the Bible reading uh, time that, that this man spoke up and said, Lord, would you please speak to my brother? And maybe it was the, the older brother that was taking more than what he should. We don't know the details because Jesus didn't even take time for it. And he said, though, would you speak to my, my brother that he would divide the inheritance with me? Would you speak to him? And you can see what's driving this. You can see that it's not a concern for like what's right and wrong. And it's not right that he would do this. But rather it's driven by this. It's plain. It's simple. It's clear. He's driven by greed. 
He's driven by materialism and he, he wanted to have more than what he was getting. I, I want to I just put it on pause right here for just a little bit and say this. Um, we're all in danger right here of the same exact thing that this man is, is entrapped in, in, in. Every one of us. I mean, here he was in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, to tell you, friend, I mean, the master preacher, the master teacher, and Jesus is, is conveying doctrine and practical things that this man needed. And here's what was going on in his mind. He was wondering. I mean, all this while, a lousy brother of mine, taking more of my money. That's terrible. Holy Spirit's going to what? Not paying attention. Are you following what I'm saying? He, he was there supposed to be listening to the message. And here's what happened. Instead of being tuned in, worldliness had grasped him. Worldliness. You know, uh, Every one of us here tonight, including this preacher, of course, have been in a place where you're sitting in the service, listening to the preaching. And, and that's good. I mean, we all have been there. But you've also had those times when your mind. Got to get refocused. Right. Because your mind, you can already be planning tomorrow. Right. Planning tomorrow. You're already thinking about the homework that you did not do. <laughs> right? And you're thinking about what you need to get done. Or you're thinking about what, what, uh, what meetings that you have tomorrow. Your agenda is already going through your mind and you're thinking about that. Or you're thinking about your, well, football season is not on, but you're thinking at one point in time about your fantasy football team and wondering, you know, if, if your quarterback got the points or if your receiver got the points or if your defense got the points. Your mind is running all that or mainly it's thinking about this. I wonder where we're going to eat tonight. Right. I mean, we're all susceptible to that. And, and so don't let the service times to be a time where you're planning your agenda. Listen, this is God's agenda right here. That's why this week is so important is because we're not we don't want to come in with our agenda, but rather we want to come in and say, God, what is your agenda in the world and how can I get to be a part of that? Because here's this man who was hearing Jesus preach about what his agenda was. And he said, Lord, would you please straighten out my brother because he's taking too much of my money. Materialism. Listen. He did not take in what Jesus was preaching and teaching because he was too full of himself. When I hear somebody say, and I haven't had anybody say this uh, recently, but, but I've heard it along the way, I'm just not getting anything out of the preaching. I'm, you, ever, you ever, well, maybe you've thought that, maybe you've said that, I don't know, but, but, but generally here's what I found, and I'm not trying to be critical of anybody, but, but generally here's what I found. When somebody says, I'm just not getting much out of it, here's what's happening, they're bringing too much into it. 
And that's not a cop out on the preacher. Preacher ought to work hard and rightly divide the word and do everything he can to make sure that people get the message. I mean, if, 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 if it would guarantee that you would get the message from the word of God, I'd do my best to do a backflip. I'd fail miserably, but if that's what it took to get your attention, I'd do it. Some of you say, let's see it. No, no, I'm not going there. I want to have longevity in preaching, okay? So I'm not going there. But, I, but as a preacher, I mean, I, I love the words. I've said it before, but I love the words of Charles Spurgeon who said this, I want to preach in such a way that even a blind man looks at me. Why? But not because of, uh, of the person as a preacher, but more of this, the message is so vitally important for all of our lives. Every young person that's here tonight, every, every middle-aged person that is here tonight, every elderly person that is here tonight, we all need the message from the Word of God. And I want to do my part as a preacher, and every preacher that, that it stands here wants to do their part to, to get the message across. But you and I have got to do our parts to be a good listener too. This man was not a good listener. And the reason that he was not a good listener is because he was too full of himself. And the reason I'm hitting that hard right here is because, listen, you don't know what God wants to do in your life. And it may be that God wants to call some of you to the mission field. And listen, even if he does not, even if he does not call you to the mission field, you, my friend, as a believer, you are called to world missions. You are, and you're not just called to sin. You are called to be involved in the greatest work, the greatest enterprise, the greatest business upon the face of the earth, regardless of what your, your job is and how you earn a salary. Your greatest role as a believer is to share the person of Jesus Christ with people that are around you. That is your task. You say, no, that's your task, preacher. No, that is your task as a preacher. So don't come in and be full of yourself so that you miss the message. Got it? I notice this. This man expected Jesus to do his bidding. Jesus is not a genie that we come to and expect him to do what we want, he want, we want him to do. No, we need to come to him humbly as his servant to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Isn't that what Paul said? What would you have me to do? And so this week, would you come every service? Would you be here tonight and say, Lord, what would you want me to do? Lord, what would you want me to give? Here, here we have, you know, a stack of cards ready to go for Sunday already. I mean, in place for the Southwest Bibles class, no doubt, that's going to be handed out. And, and would you come with that card and say, Lord, I don't want to do just what I did last year. I don't want to do what I did five years ago. God, what do you want me to do? Come with that kind of heart and see what God will do. This man was too full of himself. Jesus did not help him with his agenda. He took the occasion to speak about covetousness. One Wiersbe made some good comments on covetousness that I'd like for us all to consider uh, here tonight. He said this, covetousness is an unquenchable thirst for getting more and more of something we think we need in order to be truly satisfied. It is an unquenchable thirst. I 
Forgetting more and more of something we think we need in order to be satisfied. It's the next thing. If I could just get the next phone, my life will be complete. If all it takes is just the next version of the phone to make your life complete, you got a really shallow life. If I could just get that next car, if I could just get that next job, if I could just get that next promotion, if I could just get, hey, listen, I, I want to be up front here. God's not opposed to you having nice things and, and, and so forth. That's, that's okay. But, but as long as it's in this right place and you're not looking at, man, if I could just get that, if I could just have her, him, if I could just have her, if I could just have that office, if I could just have that position, if I could just drive that truck. be fulfilled. No, you won't. No, you won't. Cause here's what will happen. You will drive off the lot and see another truck that has better rims than that truck you've got. <laughs> Am I right? And a better body design and a better, better color. You think, Oh man, I should have got the other color. Are you with me? You'll never be satisfied. If, if your life is consisting of things, you'll never be satisfied. We will not make life richer by acquiring more of these things. It's like an itch that will never stop itching. Have you ever, have you noticed this, that when you have an itch, I'm talking about like a chigger type itch. You ever had to, that's a terrible itch. If you have a chigger itch, the more you itch it, the worse it is. You need some calamine. You need something put on, I'm just telling you, if you try to scratch it, it will not make it better. Write that down. That'll help you in your life. It won't help you. And the same thing with materialism and, the, and things. If, if you've got an itch for more and more and more, the more you scratch it, the worse it gets. He said this, people who are satisfied only with the things that money can buy are in great danger of losing the things that money cannot buy. Jesus did not see the farmer enjoying life. Jesus saw the farmer facing death. How about that? God's pleasure. Oh, this is good. One more quote by Wiersbe, then we'll move on. God's pleasures and God's, I'm sorry, God's pleasures and our treasures must go together. God's pleasures, our treasures must go together. Uh, Alexander McLaren of a different generation said this. I, anytime I can read something about Alexander McLaren, so helpful. He says this, covetousness or the greeting clutching at more and more of earthly good has its roots in all of us. And unless there is the most uh, diligent weeding, it will overrun our whole nature. We must take heed. He said the mad race after wealth, which is the sin of this luxurious, greedy commercial age, is the consequence of a lie. The lie that life consists in the things that you have. Well, rather, life consists in knowing the only true God. He said this, is there any saying of Jesus Christ more revolutionary or less believed by his professed followers than this one? It's a good question. 
Wealth breeds anxiety, not satisfaction. You know, um, a wealthy person is uh, not anxious about how to get wealth. They're anxious about once they get wealth, how do I keep it? How do I keep it? The man in the text here, this... uh, that Jesus then used the parable. Okay, now we're going somewhere with this. We're talking about full barns and empty mission fields. So I haven't forgot our theme and what we're working towards and how materialism is affecting missionary zeal in American churches. We're, we're going to get to that. But I, but I want you to see what Jesus said. He said there was a man that had, had uh, brought forth plenty. I mean, the land was. It brought forth plenty as he worked it. He cultivated it. He had a plan, no doubt. He'd lay awake at night and thinking about what he could do in this field and rotating crops and how many more servants he could bring on to get more uh, going. And, 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 then, uh, and then once he had accumulated a lot, he realized he had a problem. I'm out of space. The Bible says that he, uh, he said to himself, where are we at? He thought rather, verse 17, he thought within himself. I wrote this down. Be careful talking to yourself. Be careful talking to yourself because you might start listening. I notice this, no prayer, no counsel, just what should I do? What should I do? If I could have just a little bit more, I'll be satisfied. If I got to this level of wealth, then I could just kind of take it easy. I could say to my soul, soul. Isn't it funny he called himself soul? Soul, eat, son, as much as you want to eat. Think how much food you've got piled up in there. Now, now what he probably didn't think about is that some of that's going to go bad. You have it long enough. Eat, drink, be merry, do what you want to do because you finally got to this level and life is good. They asked Rockefeller, how much wealth is enough? You know what he said? Just a little more. Just a little more. Just a little more. I want you to notice this. Look back at the text, if you would, please. And in uh, verse number 17, he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Notice how many personal pronouns, first person personal pronouns, whether subject pronoun or possessive pronoun. He says, what shall I do? I have room. My, I, I, my, I, my, my, I, my. That was annoying. And then he said to himself, thou, thine. I mean, still talking about himself. Okay, look, there are 11 personal pronouns, I, me, my, mine. And then there's two that are second person, but he's still talking to himself. So 13 total. I'm telling you, the whole thing is showing he is totally self-centered. 
totally self-centered. In fact, that is the primary problem of the, of the passage. Listen, listen, here's what he could have done. Are you still listening to me? Is this making sense? All right, don't, don't think about what you're gonna do tomorrow. Think about what's going on right here tonight, all right? He, he's thinking about this. He's, he could have, he has all this coming in. What am I gonna do with all that I have? You know what he could have done? He could have said this. You know, there's some poor people that are living over here that don't have anything to eat. He could have taken what he had and gave to them. He could have fed a lot of people. No doubt there were people like Lazarus that was there in the gate that, that, uh, that would, didn't have anything. And he could have gave. He could have gave. But he didn't. He wanted to keep it all for himself. He wasn't concerned about helping others. He wasn't concerned about pleasing God. Everybody hear that? He was not concerned about pleasing God. He was thinking, what can I do to reach my goals? And he thought he had it all figured out. But when you think you've got it all figured out, there's another voice that matters more than yours. And God said, you're a fool. You're a fool because you've got all this. And, and, and what are you going to do when you're gone? Somebody asked a question about a rich person, you know, that, I mean, he, they spent their life, you know, accumulating all this wealth. And somebody said, "Woo, I wonder how much they left. You know what the answer is? You know what the right answer always is? All of it. How much did they leave? Every bit of it. They didn't take anything with them. You say, no, I just wonder how much their net worth was. At that point, friend, listen, it does not matter one iota. Again, I quote Warren Wiersbe, who said this, the greatest tragedy is not what the man left behind, but what lay before him eternity without God. I enjoy a John Ortberg as an author, and, and he wrote a book, when the game is over, it all goes back in the box. Something to that effect. Whether king or pawn, it all goes back in the box. And listen, friend, when you die, well, this is encouraging to start a missions conference, but it's true. When you die, you go in a box. King or pawn. Disease and death is no respecter of persons. We just had a, my cousin Zach come and visit here and he's a physical therapist and he said, you know, this has been a, a humbling experience as he has worked at a, 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 an office or actually at a a memory care facility down in Florida. And he said, you know, there's there a man that is either the CEO or the COO of a certain corporation. He named that corporation, but he wasn't 100% on, on if that was the company. But if I named that company that he mentioned, everybody here would know it. But here's what he said. You know, even though he had that great high position, that disease of Alzheimer's or dementia affected him just like it would anybody else. Wealth does not insulate you. What's happening in America? All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not just in America. You know what's happening in American churches? You know what could happen in this church? You know what can happen with American Christians? Is we can buy into the idea of the American dream.
churches grow bigger and bigger and have more and more. We just renovated this auditorium and I'm glad I don't think we made a wrong decision. Do you? I think it was the right decision. I think it was about right time. You know, every 20 to 30 years is a good time. No doubt. But there's a danger. You can think, um, let's build something bigger. Let's build something mega. Let's build something that's monstrosity of a building and have all this. And, 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 and listen, here's what's happened. A lot of American dollars that should go to the mission field has been pumped into American churches and they are working and living in multi-million dollar facilities and sending, hang on, I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm just trying to say if we don't keep our focus right, we can fall in the same trappings and, and American materialism can zap our missionary zeal because we can get to thinking about, man, just think what kind of building we could have here if we didn't send 15% of our general fund to the mission field. That's dangerous thinking. In fact, I'm going to submit to you tonight that we, we don't need to even just stay at 15%, but rather what we ought to do as God provides and, and things are to where we are able to do so, that we would increase that to 20% and to 25% and to 30% so that we're not pumping money in here, but that we are sending it where it really needs to be in the countries of the world where they are not hearing the gospel, rather than us becoming more and more affluent as American Christians Let's get the gospel where it's not. Because yeah. there's a trap right there. And we can get inordinately focused on ourselves and become, become very much focused inward rather than outward. And when a church or when a Christian gets so focused on themselves and, and, and on their church even itself, rather than the world, then it begins to die because it does not fulfill the mission that God gave that church. Full barns, empty mission fields. What I mean by that is there's also a trap for many here that would look at career, and ladders, and growth, and income. And you can begin to think like this, I want to be a missionary. Because if I'm a missionary, I'll be poor living in a hut. Okay, that's not true. But if it was, you ought to be willing to. You're not too good. I'm not too good. We can have full barns and empty mission fields because American consumerism has consumed us to the point that we are not consumed with his kingdom. We've got to be consumed with his kingdom rather than with ourselves. And there's danger of having more and having more and having more and having more rather than being more and more involved in the mission that he has us on. I'm not, I'm not saying tonight that God is against you having a, a job and a career. I, I'm not at all because, in fact, that's how this takes place. But I, I'm urging you tonight, I'm urging every member here tonight to, to look at, at the opportunity that is before you and don't send tokens to the mission field. 
Don't send nickels and dimes and quarters. And, and, and I realize we have kids, you know, that do that. And I think we need to train them from an early age. But if you're making, you know, $50,000, $60,000 annually, and, and, you're, and you're sending just $500 to the mission field, something's off. Mercy. How much do you think we ought to give? That's between you and God. Well, why did you just say what you said? Because I'm here to challenge you. Maybe agitate you a little bit. To not think like a greedy American. And to think rather like a biblical Christian that you'd find in Acts chapter 4. Because what they did, and you can look at it now if you want to, but I think you know it well enough, you can read it maybe later. I'm just going to say it right here. Here's what they did. Instead of building bigger barns and accumulating more and more and more and more and more and stuff, here's what they did. They sold it. They sold their houses. They sold their barns. They sold their land because there was a need. And I'm not saying tonight that you ought to go home and sell your house and go home and sell your land and, and such. But if God tells you to, then do it. Or if God is telling you, listen, don't live for stuff, live for his kingdom, then do it. Amen. Notice this, that this man did not view himself as a steward. He viewed himself as a possessor, mine, I. He did not view those things as God's. Listen, I'm telling you, everything we have comes from God and everything we have is God's. American consumerism and materialism is zapping missionary zeal because there is a mentality even among American Christians that we are so self-centered. And I'm thankful tonight. Please don't, don't take me wrong because I, I, know that, I know that I'm preaching to a church that is given to, to missions and that is even given sacrificially. But, but I, I'm also preaching for the sake of the next generations to wonder. I wonder if people growing up here have that same mentality or if you're, if you're thinking about it just this way. I wonder what I can give this year that would be the minimum amount so that I don't feel bad about it and don't look bad. That's wrong. Don't give just to kind of get by no, rather our thought ought to be this. It's not what can I spare? That's not faith promise. You see, the, the, the rest of the text that I went ahead and read and that we're not going get to get into in all of its intricacies was this. There's two sides to this. On one side, there's danger that Jesus was saying about materialism and this man that wanted more and more. But on the other side of that coin were the disciples who might be fearful and of a doubtful mind because they wonder, okay, we've forsaken all. How is God going to take care of all this? And fear could keep you from faith promise. Because what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How am I going to pay my bills? Hey, I'm telling you, friend, listen, I've seen it. Others could testify here tonight that God, God will come through as you by faith commit what he wants you to give. I'm telling you, friend, God owes no man anything. It's giving by faith. Don't be afraid to be involved in faith promise. Don't be afraid. I uh, read a good illustration from John Ortberg in that same book. He said, sometimes I do this when I'm talking about materialism. 
have everybody take out their wallet. And I'm not going to ask you to do that necessarily right now. But if we did, everybody take out your wallet. Look inside and see how lonely it is in there. <laughs> see what's in there. And then he said, do this. We're going to take an offering. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody pass your wallet <laughs> to the person next to you. And now I want you to give out of their wallet whatever you want to give. How many say, man, that sounds like fun. <laughs> that would be awesome. Let's do that. Okay, so everybody pass your wallet to the left and let's just give. Why is it easier that way? Why? In fact, it's almost fun that way. In fact, it'd be cheerful to say, hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. You take credit card. Here we go, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why would that be so much easier? Well, because you realize as the one giving, well, that's not mine anyways. This is awesome. Okay, wait a minute. Hang on. Catch the point. Why is that any different than your personal wallet? It's actually what God gave you. It's his money anyways. And that's why we can be a cheerful giver and say, God, <laughs> this is crazy. But it's yours. And I know that you can replenish it. Just as soon as I give it. Otherwise, we've got these big full barns and empty mission fields. I wonder how much, can I, can I meddle here just a minute? I wonder how much, I wonder how many tracks are built into homes today. I believe we ought to live simply so that others could simply live. Um, don't, uh, I remember when Zach Ray was here, missionary to China, don't allow your spending to determine your giving, but rather your giving to determine your spending. I wonder how many tracks are, or how many missionary buildings, mission support. I wonder how much more quickly missionaries could get through deputation, if, if, if church members like you and like me would, would not say, well, I wonder what I could spare. But I wonder if we thought like this, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? I mean, if we're real serious about world missions, are you? If you're real serious about it, what's it going to take? Then I don't think that you're going to look at it and say the minimum amount, but I think you're going to look at this and say, this is going to be challenging, but, but this is the most important thing going on on the earth. And so I'm going to put the money where the most important thing is going on. In fact, if you're just financially wise, you put your money where it's most secure. You put your money where it's most secure and where it gets the biggest dividends. Where, pray tell, is money most secure? It's most secure if we send it on to heaven. It is in a vault there. It is taken care of there. It does not rust. It does not become corrupted by moth. No thief can break through and steal it. It does not begin to squeak. It does not begin to leak. It does not break down. It does not seize. It does not halt. It does not stall. It is solid. 
You are not wasting your money by giving to world missions. You are not wasting your money by tithing and giving to God's work. You are making an eternal investment that will have more, way more dividends than your 401k can or your Roth IRA or whatever it is that you're giving to. And I'm not saying that you don't have that, but I am saying this, we ought to really take giving to God super seriously because of the great need of world evangelism in the world. Otherwise, we've got these really big, full barns that are just about to burst open, and we don't even know what to do with it all, while there are mission fields that are empty. Let me encourage the parents here. You ought to encourage your child, your grandchild, to do whatever God calls them to do. You can't call them to the mission field. You can't call them to the ministry. That'd be wrong. It's not right. But the other side of that would be this. Don't hold them back. Don't say, ah, oh, honey, we want you to go to a school where you can get a better degree and make more money. That's the American dream. I'm saying if, if God is calling them, don't look at it that way. Because the American dream can turn out to be a nightmare. If it's me, my, mine, soul, thou, thine. No, 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 you are not your own. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Big, full barns. Empty mission fields. I'm convinced completely we need more doctors. I'm glad for them. We need, I look out and see firefighters. We need more firefighters. I'm not saying we don't. We need more bankers. We need more people involved in government that are honest. We'll preface there. We need more teachers. We need more men. I've got to meet the man that's picking up our, our, on our uh, garbage route. I got to meet and talk to him a little bit. We, I, I told him, hey, listen, I appreciate that. I wasn't just saying that to him. I really do. Can you imagine how bad things would be without men that run, run a garbage truck? And I'm telling you tonight, if God calls you to drive a garbage truck, do it real well. And, and leave the cans upright. Not out on the road. Do a good job at it. Hey, if that's what God's called you to do, I mean, that, that's awesome. I mean, listen, I, I enjoy a lot of things. I, I enjoy driving a bus, and, and I think, man, I can enjoy just driving, just being out on the road. I enjoy that. But what has God called you to do? Then listen, whatever you're called to, then get there. But listen, if God is touching your heart about the mission field of this world, then please don't get wrapped up in how much money you're going to make or how much you're not going to make, but rather do this, say, God, whatever you want, because it's not me and mine and me saying to myself, you know what you ought to do? No, it's what God do you want me to do? And that will fuel the missionary zeal of another generation that says, God, whatever it takes, we're in. in. And it's not a bummer. You say, that's not a good theological word, but you get what I'm saying. It's not a bummer to serve God. It is a blessing to get to be involved in this. Absolute thrill. 
But even if it was tough, I'm not doing it because it gives a thrill. I'm doing it because it's right. Dear God, tonight, I come to you and I think about how that you supply, you take care of the lilies of the field, the unclean birds of the ravens. You care for so much, Lord. You take care. We have no need to worry. Materialism could pull some in. Some are not as involved as they ought to be in world missions. Consuming wealth upon ourselves. And dear God, from what I saw in this text, if I understood it right, then selfishness for all of us is the chief enemy of missions. It could keep some from the field and some from giving and some from serving. Oh God, would you help us? Help us as a church, God. I'm praying that you'd help us not to increase our seating capacity, though we want to leave that to you, but God, would you help us to increase our sending capacity? To see more churches planted right here, even in this area, in Oklahoma and around the globe. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be responsible stewards of the buildings that you've entrusted under our care, dear God, but we know that they belong to you too. The church budget is yours, whatever you want to do with it. Lord, help us just to have a, a true mentality of giving, not token attention, but real, earnest, zealous involvement. Help us in our involvement in personal soul winning and discipleship, dear God, and giving of our time and, and effort not holding anything back and living the American dream. Oh God, would you help us? And especially help us, I pray, in the faith, faith promise missionary offering. Help us, Lord, to do more, not for notoriety, not for any other reason, but just that the need is just increasing. Oh God, help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand here tonight.